It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is Monday. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. It's good to have you in here on a Monday. I'm battling a bit of a cold, but I'm all hopped up on DayQuil, so I should be okay. Uh, plenty of stuff to go over today. Uh, coming up at noon, it's Rapid Fire Recap. We do that every Monday where I recap every game uh, from Sunday in 30 seconds. Ray Anzelowitz comes on. At 12.30, the president of Gotham Hoops, the beginning of the NBA year, is tomorrow. So I want to get his thoughts on what we should expect. It's Bold Prediction Monday. So at the end of the show today, I give you three bold predictions that will more than likely be wrong. Uh, I've, I think I've only hit on like like 20% of them, which is really, really, in my opinion, it's actually pretty impressive based on what I'm trying to get at here. But... um Plenty of stuff to go over today. Evan, your weekend, it was energetic and good. And I had a, guy, I had a very nice weekend. How did you? I had a very nice weekend. How was yours? Terrible, because I'm sick. Nah. I couldn't do anything. Well, at Cowboys got a big win for you They last night. did, and we're going to talk about that as well. So I want to start with this. A lot of times in sports, we see guys that are just unlike anything we've ever seen before athletically. Zion Williamson, who's six seven, he's two eighty, and can jump through the gym. Uh, you see guys like Giannis and LeBron and Saquon Barkley and Aaron Judge and just gifted athletes with size, and you watch them, and it's just unbelievable. You, you just some of these athletes and how big they are and how athletic they are. You're just like, oh my god, and you just can't stop watching them. And as I'm watching the Yankees lose on Saturday. On Saturday night to the Astros, I noticed that the most incredible athlete in the world is right there. And he's 5'6", 165. Jose Altuve is the most incredible, unbelievable athlete I've ever seen. Never did you think that you would be able to see somebody like him perform at such a high level. He's 5'6". And he's doing what he's doing. I also came to realize something. And I drew this parallel. Jose Altuve is Steph Curry. Think about this for a second. The game of basketball changed around Steph Curry. There were no Steph Currys before him. Little guys that ran around and shot crazy threes and absolutely shifted the paradigm of what is the NBA. He got so lethal at shooting threes that his team started shooting them at an alarming rate. Like 45 a game. (laughs) Teams used to make like five threes a game and now they make 19. Because everybody has to now shift and try to beat Steph Curry. But Steph Curry was never physically bought into. He was actually doubted because he was so small. I mean, he was the skinniest player 
that's come out of an NBA draft. I, I, the guy came out of the draft. He was the guy was a twig. He was ridiculous. D- Jose Altuve is five six. Major League Baseball players are six two. Uh, he's not supposed to be this good. The guy hits three hundred. He hits twenty five, thirty home runs a year. It's unbelievable what he does with what he's got. He's the most unbelievable athlete I have ever seen in my life. Also, think about this. When Steph Curry started winning MVPs and started winning titles and started getting on the global stage and every kid in America wanted to be like Steph Curry because he's obtainable. He might not look Steph might never actually be obtainable, but in the eyes of young people, he, they can see, well, I, I'm not six, eight, <laughs> I can't dunk, uh, but listen, I'm small and I could shoot a ton of threes and I could, I can make crazy shots. That's realistic. I can do that. Steph Curry is relatable and realistic to young athletes. Every kid bought a pair of Under Armour Steph Curry shoes. Every kid that I see walking around now has at least one, if not two, Steph Curry Golden State Warrior jerseys. Everybody, every young kid, and I mean from from age like, like 14 down to like 6, wants to be Steph Curry. Everyone. That's Jose Altuve. Every little leaguer in the country is going to try to be like Jose Altuve. You know, the, the bat wiggle and the hop around the bases. I mean, the guy's he's bouncy. and the, Second base will become the most popular position, at least amongst young people. He will transcend the game of baseball. Uh, Jose Altuve is Steph Curry. Do we realize that now? He is Steph Curry. And I mean like he's actually Steph Curry. They're both small. They both transcended the game. They both look, they both uh, resonate with young people. Uh, they are the same. We finally have a parallel to Steph. What Jose Altuve uh how to uh oh my god. Jose Altuve is doing as a short unconventional athlete is shifting the paradigm in sports. Altuve and Curry are the same. They changed the game and resonated with young people the exact same way. Altuve, young, 5'6", not supposed to be this good. I mean, best player or at least second best player on his team. And Steph Curry is the second or third best player in the entire NBA, clearly the best player on his team, the most valuable. When Steph Curry plays and when he doesn't play, the team is completely different. And they're both obtainable. They're both athletes that are, they're like you and me. I'm not overly big. I am not athlete big. I'm 5'11", I'm like 240. But that's 240 because I'm overweight. That's not 240 because I'm, I work out every day and I'm packing muscles. No, in realist, I'm not athlete size, and Evan's shorter than I am. Neither one of us are athlete, professional athlete size. We're not. And I find it amazing that a guy who is shorter than me, 
Jose Altuve is six inches shorter than me and 80 pounds lighter than me and could probably hit the ball twice as far as I can. Seriously, I, I would struggle to get it to the middle of left field, I bet. And Jose Altuve hit a monster shot to walk off in game six. And that's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Jose Altuve, a walk-off two-run homer. And the Astros beat the Yankees 6-4. to four, Win the ALCS four games to two. That's Jose Altuve. The most incredible athlete I've ever seen. And he's right up there with Steph Curry. Okay. (sighs) Plenty of stuff to talk about today. I'm loaded. I'm absolutely loaded. I wish I wasn't sick because I feel terrible. But, God, I I mean, I'm amazed. I really am amazed. I'm heartbroken, but I'm amazed. He took a a hanging slider and rocketed that thing almost almost to the train tracks. I thought it was going to go to the train tracks. Yeah. In left field, Minute Park. Yep. Just, just a rocket. Now, what'd you, what did you think of the approach? As a, you're watching the game, you're a Yankee fan. What did you think of the approach to Jose Altuve? Because obviously they talked. They Sanchez and Chapman talked right before the at bat. Obviously they, were, they were going away. They were going away from the fastball. I would have walked him. Walked him to bring up. I, um, I would have walked Altuve and faced Marisnik with two outs. I would have walked Altuve to get to Marisnik because I think the strategy maybe the strategy was they didn't want to put the winning run at second base and a base hit wins it. I I get that. But you got to kind of keep in mind, with Altuve at the plate, the winning run is already at first, and that's dangerous enough. I'd rather face the guy that isn't a good hitter. They take it back. The Astros take it bats away from Jake Marisnik because he's a bad hitter. He is simply there for speed and defense. Uh, They didn't want to make him hit, and Chapman would have definitely gotten – Jake Marisnik and uh, gotten them out of that inning. But even regardless, okay, what Jose Altuve did in that in that spot is incredible. Okay, I, first of all, I, I was talking about this with somebody on uh, on Saturday night. That I don't know who to hate more. I don't know who to hate more between the Astros and the Red Sox, but it's getting pretty close. But well, it's either, still got to be the Red. It's still got to be the Red Sox. It, you're, I don't you're, know. You're a Yankee guy. It's if you're a Yankee I don't know. fan. The, if you're a Yankee I don't fan, know. I the am first not thing you Astro- do is hate the Red Sox. I'm not an Astros guy now, man. They always beat us. But <laughs> a third time in five years now. Astros. Uh, the Astros have something in that little kid. They do. Uh, it's amazing. And Altuve made a great defensive play on the Gary Sanchez double play. Gets a ground ball, fired it right to Correa to help get that double play. He made a great defensive yeah. play, too, in the game. Yeah. Great defense by the Astros on Saturday night. Tremendous defense. Yeah. But an MVP, World Series champion, six-time All-Star, and he's five foot six. All right. Uh, coming up next, Dallas took away an absolutely monster win yesterday. I'm going to tell you why I've never been – more up in the air about Dallas. That's coming up next. The Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in. 
absolutely loaded today. I've got no free space. It's ridiculous. Everything that I have written down on this little sheet right here, I've I've got no spots today. Open uh, next hour, crazy stuff, rapid-fire recap, Ray Anzelowitz, Bolt Prediction Monday, literally everything going on today. Uh, all right, so here we go. I want to get into this. The Cowboys beat the Eagles last night. Uh, actually, they, they blew out the Eagles last night. 37-10 in Dallas, and I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good after three straight weeks of misery to see them crush somebody. It felt really, really good. And I mean, they looked really good. The offense was creative. They ran the ball well. Dak looked un- uh, unbelievable. Amari Cooper looked like double the guy they traded for. The defense was locked down. I mean, everything was working in Dallas. And people have told me and are expecting me to say, oh, is this, is this where you tell us how good Dak is now? You Cowboy fan, week by week, you know, don't go back on your word now. It's a week by week league. You said... I've been one of Dak's harshest critics. And I can tell you that I'm not going to tell you I'm all in on Dak. In fact, it's it's the exact opposite. I've never felt less certain. Have you ever been in an on-again, off-again relationship? You get together and it's phenomenal. You're so in love. And then you start fighting and you break up. And then you get on Tinder, and maybe you hook up with someone or two, but then you miss each other and get back together, and the cycle just goes on and on and on. You break up again, and then you get back together, whatever it is, right? The one thing you get out of that relationship is confusion. I don't want confusion with my quarterback. I want clarity. What I've said about Dak has been exactly right. There are days where he looks like, for, forget a top 10 quarterback, top five. Right? He looks like he's every nickel of a $35 million quarterback. But he'll have runs during the season where, he's, where he looks like a fourth-round pick, and you're asking if he's the backup and when the starter's coming back. And there are times during the season where it's absolutely brilliant, and then he'll go on a three, four-week stretch where you'll be like, what in the world? Why is Dallas wasting their time with this guy? And I get people all the time saying that I'm foolish for believing in the Cowboys. They'll always be an average team in the NFL. You're a fool. You're di- All of the same stuff. Did you watch who they were last night? Nobody can watch the Cowboys last night against the Eagles and tell me that that didn't look like a Super Bowl team. They took the Eagles and spiked them into the turf. And Philadelphia has talent and a great coach and a quarterback. Philadelphia is talented at every level. They've got stars at every level, just like Dallas does. A great O-line, great receivers, a good running game, great young quarterback, a great front seven, They've got good safeties. This is a team that's got stars at every level. And Dallas blew them out. When all of the pieces are healthy for Dallas, this team, it it rolls. These guys roll. I mean, you get a healthy O-line and Amari Cooper and Zeke running it up their pipe and 
the Cowboys can roll teams badly. They really can. They're good. But that's what makes me uncertain. I like Dak, but I don't know what to tell you. That's my problem. Is every week it is something different. I can look at this guy and say, that's our guy right there. But, look, I hate to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. He's on again and off again. He's the most unexplainable quarterback in recent NFL history. He's the one guy I can remember where you just don't have an answer. You just don't. Great for three weeks, terrible for three weeks, and then he looks great again last night. And this won't change. It'll be like this. Dak Prescott will always leave you wondering if he's a franchise quarterback. Every single week, this is going to keep going on and on and on to the point where, all right, he's great for the first three weeks, and he's terrible for three weeks. Now he's going to be great again for three weeks, terrible for three I mean, it's going to be so up in the air, always so up in the air. The rule in sports radio is to pick a side on every story and every argument. You know, pick a side. That pick a side, develop, a, uh, develop an opinion, uh, develop a strong opinion, I should say, and defend it. That's the rule in sports radio. You can never be in between because in between doesn't sell. In between is not, it's not fun. You're just kind of, you're splitting hairs here. You can't be in between. You can't be on the fence. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, Sports Radio Rulebook, and for, I'm sorry for failing you, but I, I got nothing. <laughs> I really do. I don't know what to tell you about Dak Prescott, and I'm not sure I ever will. Because last night didn't make me believe in Dak more. It made me question him more than ever. I don't know what I'm getting, okay? It, I'll say this. If last night the Cowboys lost to the Eagles, Dak struggled again, I'd be, it would be a lot easier for me to come in, to, uh, come in today and tell you what I think. I'd be very precise about what my answer would be on Dak Prescott. Right now, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, because it, he played well. And I look, I was happy to see it. I really was. I was happy to see that Dak Prescott was playing as well as he was. But now I can sit here and be uncertain. I always tell you that the worst thing in sports that you can have is uncertainty. You want answers. You want answers and you want direction. If you don't have those things... You're screwed. You're left wondering what would happen. And I don't want to sit here and tell you that, yeah, I I really don't know what's going to happen in Dallas. I really don't. But I don't know what else to tell you because that's the reality of the situation. I like Dak, but yesterday's performance did not make me think, Oh, we've got our franchise guy. Finally, we're great again. It actually made me think. And we're stuck in the rut again.
because I don't know what to think. Is he great or is he okay? All right. Look at that. Well, we're actually a little bit early. I actually, I was expecting us to be drawn out a little bit more, but (laughs) we're actually a little early. It's only 1135. How crazy is that? So that's, that's, I think this must be our earliest news segment ever. Ever? Ever. It's a record? It might, it might be a record. It's a record. (laughs) I'm serious. It really might be. uh, Before we get to the news, I'll say this about the the Cowboys last night. That was as, they needed that win. They as it was as impressive as they as, they've as looked impressive, all year. As impressive as they looked all year, yeah. They they played well against the Giants, Washington, and Miami, but they had to get this win to just to not just to get back on track, but to cement yeah. themselves back in first place in this division. And now you go into your bye week feeling good about yourself, right? You lose this, you lose this game. You go into your bye week, you know, two weeks two weeks before your next game, and it's no more, you know, that contract talk that gets put to the side for a bit. Jason Garrett. And his, you know, and and you know whether he's the right coach for the job, that gets put to the side for a bit. Now the Cowboys can kind of go in and say they had they had a fully healthy team. Tyrone Smith was up, Lyle Collins was there, uh, Randall Cobb played, Amari Cooper played, Gallup had another week back. You saw the Dallas who the Dallas Cowboys can be, which is a pretty darn good football team on you know because uh, uh, when you line them up on the field. Are they better than the Rams, Seattle, San Fran? I think they're um, probably better than the Rams. Green Bay. The Rams are very iffy. The Rams do have problems. The Rams are iffy. But they, they don't run the ball well, and they can't protect Jared Goff. The Saints. And they, they don't, yeah. The Saints. I mean, the, the, the Saints are better than them. The Cowboys, yeah. the Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys can match up with any team in the NFC. Because, again, you look at the team, you look at the team. Except for maybe the Packers. And New well, Orleans. Well, they could stack they up against can, New Orleans. Well, they, they can match up. up they well can match up against New Orleans. Orleans. Green, Green Bay's a tough one. Green Bay. Green Bay's got their number. Yeah, Green Bay does have the number. That that has. They that, that's something they got to get off their backs. Green it's Bay's a pain in my ass too. Green Bay's had their number. I was really feeling good about them, but all right, whatever. L- listen, I like I said, I'm just so confused. I didn't leave last night. Now, look, and and I feel like I'm being fair. Okay, I think it's very unfair to call me. That is some sort of homer. Okay, because you couldn't tell. Oh, he thought he was. Uh, look, watch. These Cowboy fans, well, they look good, and now everybody thinks they're a Super Bowl team, and then once they go bad, they turn their back. I'm just like, well, I, listen. It, I don't think it's unrealistic for me to be in love with them for the first three weeks and say, oh, my God, they're the best team in the NFC. And then they lose three straight games. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, they, maybe they actually aren't that good. Then they come back yesterday. I'm like, all right, they're pretty good. And... I think I'm being very fair about this because three great, three great weeks, three terrible weeks, and then a great week again yesterday. I don't know what to tell you about Dak. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, he's a franchise guy, and I'm not going to tell you that he, that, uh, to get rid of him. I, now I don't know what to tell you. You're in the middle. I'm in the Right, exactly. And I know that that is, a, that is completely against the rules because it was – only a week ago, for the first for the last two weeks, I've been telling you, Dallas should move on and draft a new quarterback. Now I don't know. Now I don't know what to tell you. The NFL, because the NFL is a roller coaster, the oh, NFL, especially especially, especially with quarterbacks. The NFL is a roller coaster. One week, one I when Dak was Dak's in a contract year, so every time every every week is gonna is essentially an evaluation week for a quarterback looking for a new contract. And Dak, you know, even in this three the three game losing streak. Against the Green Bay Packers and the Jets, I did feel like he battled. He he did he did battle in those games. 
yeah, he had his troubles, but he found a way to kind of bounce back and, keep, and the team, you know, hey, there was a two-point conversion against the Jets. They make that it's a tie game. They have all the momentum in the world. You just give credit to Jamal, Jamal Adams for getting on that, for, you know, hitting the blitz and, you know, stopping that play from happening. I, I, this, But yesterday, you take it, and it's like, okay, this is who we are. If, if, you're, a, if you're a Cowboy fan, you're watching that game say, okay, this is who we are. We're a well-balanced attack on offense. Zeke got the ball, what, 28 times, 22 carries? When everybody's healthy, carries. they're well-balanced, yeah. Well, sure, but Zeke got the ball 22 times. Tony Pollard got a decent amount of carries. Dak threw the ball, what, 30 How times? How good did Tony Pollard look yesterday? Dak played well. Dak, oh, oh, oh. Dak threw the ball, what, 30 times, 27, 27, 27 times? 27 times. 27 times. Perfect. That's who you are. You're a, run, you're a team that's going to run the ball 20, 25 times with your lead back, and you're going to throw the ball 25 to 30 times. And your defense is going to play lights out. De- defense last two weeks was uncharacteristic. Uh, let Aaron Jones... Ran all over him. Sam Darnold was fantastic against them. They got shredded the last two weeks. The, last night, they looked like their, their old selves. Last night, they looked like the Dallas Cowboys defense pretty, that we used to see. I will actually say I'm kind of disappointed because if they did lose, uh, Jason Garrett would have a very hard time getting his job back. And um, well, yesterday maybe saved Jason Garrett's job, at least for the time being, which is disappointing because but like I, said, that I think no- he's a massive problem. But well, that noise, like that noise of, but that noise of coaching and quarterbacks and contracts and stuff, that kind of goes, that kind of gets put to the side at least for now, since now you're on your bye week. The Cowboys are on their bye week at four and three in first place in the division. So any talk that was going on the last two or three weeks, that gets put to the side for at least a bit, you know, until they come up again, <laughs> right? You know, because you know they will. So that's how the NFL. It's just how a roller coaster for an NFL season is, you know. Oh boy! All right. Well, next, next game for the Cowboys is at the Giants. Monday Night Football. It's, yep, Monday they go ball. into the go into the bye week and then they get Monday Night Football against the Giants, which I expect them to roll the Giants that weekend. I expect them to roll the Giants that Monday. Because think about it: like you're getting a you're getting two weeks rest with the extra day because you're playing on Monday Night playing on Monday Night Football, and you play a rookie quarterback, and you're playing Daniel Jones. And I like Daniel Jones, but he is a rookie. Take advantage of the fact that he's a rookie. Throw him some blitz packages that he's never seen before. You know what I mean? Like, and they get an extra recovery period for their injuries. So if Leighton Vander Esch is out for a little bit, they have more time to get him back. And you got that extra Same day. thing with uh, uh, who else got hurt last night? Robert Quinn. If Robert Quinn is out for a little bit, then people got to remember, like, People think I'm crazy when I say, look at the Cowboys, and how could you not think that they're legitimate contenders? If I named you all of the players on their roster, okay, I'm going to do it. So here we go. Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith, uh, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Jason Witten, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence. Robert Quinn, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, Byron Jones. I'm like, I'll even throw Sean Lee like, in there. I'll Sean, still Lee. Throw Sean Lee. I, look at this roster and tell me it's not good. Like, it's a very the, talented roster. The roster is so good. It's loaded with talent. And then when Dak's right, I can throw Dak in that list too. I mean, they are a super, super talented team. Now you, like,. Uh, Nobody could tell me that I'm being ridiculous for believing in Dallas. I mean, I think it's unfair. All right, let's go to the news. Interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a 
Monday. We talked about that Cowboy Eagle game. Doug Peterson last Monday went on the after their loss the other week. He went out and pretty much guaranteed a win. He said, uh, uh, going down to Dallas and our guys are going to be ready to play and we're going to win that football game. When we do, we're going to be in first place in the NFC East. Oh, yeah. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, after the game, Demarcus Lawrence uh, responded. He said, tell them to shut up. So what do you think? What do you think they're doing now? Uh, he last, last week, he advised Peterson to remain on the sidelines. Uh, Zeke Elliott said, we don't need inspiration from him to go out there and play hard. So... Definitely, I like the confidence that Doug Pearson had. I do like the confidence he had in his team going into the game. But yeah, if you were the Cowboys, you saw that comment said, "Okay, that's bulletin board material now." Well, we're on a three, we're on a three-game losing streak. Here's, here is why I'll give because usually I don't like when people fire back like that. Here's why I'll give Dallas a, the Dallas players a pass for kind of taking a shot at Doug Peterson because. Doug Peterson said, we're going to go into Dallas we're and we're going to win, win that football game. And then the day after, he said, I never said that. I would never say something like that. You just did. It's on tape. We have it. I'm like, so Doug Peterson not only, and I like Doug Peterson. I think he's a really good football coach. Really good. But Doug Peterson said that we were going to walk into Dallas and we were going to mop the floor with these guys. We're going to win. And then he walked back on it and said, I never said that. And then now the Dallas players are just like, huh, you're going to mop the floor with us, huh? No wonder you walked it back. I give the, listen, I always give players flack for responding to things that are not worth responding to. I I don't mind this. I don't mind this. I'm giving the Dallas players a pass on this. I mean, I I, I don't mind it either way. I like I like Doug Pearson saying, hey, trying to get his team after a tough loss. But we, I agree. Like, hey, let's, let's we're going to walk let's, into Dallas we're, and we're going to beat him. That's fine. That's Cal- confidence. Because what else is he supposed to say? Yeah. And if but you're going to say that, don't walk back on it the next day oh, and accuse the media of making stuff up. And if you're the, But if you're the Cowboys, you're and you're like, okay, you know what? We're on a three-game losing streak. He just said we're going to win. We're desperate for a win right now. Okay. Yeah. That, guess what? Now we're gonna now we're gonna prove it to you, and we're gonna show you, and we're gonna show you that we're still better than you. And since 2016, since Doug Pearson took over as the Eagles head coach, despite their all despite all the Eagles' success last year in the playoffs, playoff win, Super Bowl two years ago, Cowboys are five and two against Doug Pearson now. They're five and two against Doug Pearson coach teams. Yeah, you know, it, you know what's funny because I hear all of this stuff about like who's better, Dak or Carson Wentz, and who's better, the Eagles or the Cowboys, but. I think it's a really easy question to answer. Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. He's better. But I will say this. The Dallas Cowboys know how to scheme against Carson Wentz, make him look like less of a quarterback than he actually is. They know how to beat they know how to beat him. And they ha- they kind of have the Eagles number. They do. They have the Eagles number. They've beaten them in Philadelphia multiple times. I mean, the Cowboys know how to beat the Eagles. They do. I think the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think the Dow- I think the Cowboys split with them at least. I think so. I'm trying to remember too. It might have been a split or a sweep. No, it wasn't a sweep. I don't think it was a sweep. But the Cowboys, I think, definitely won one of those games when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, it was 2017. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I actually think that the Eagles won the game in Dallas, and Dallas won the game in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, let me get it for you. Eagles 2017 regular schedule. But I don't know. They, they, the, the Cowboys know how to beat the Eagles. Rod Marinelli 
Yes, the Eagles, uh, they split. Weeks, week, uh, week 11, Eagles won 37-9. And week 17, Cowboys won 6 nothing. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. But, and that was the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But Rod Marinelli knows how to scheme against Carson Wentz and make him look like less of a quarterback than he usually does. So, interesting. I like, I like the back and forth from both the teams. You know what? I like it because, hey, it's the NFC East. It's division. Right. It's always fun. I like the back and forth from these teams. Sure. And, hey, you know what? December 22nd in Philadelphia, 430. The NFC East might very well be on the line again in week, in week 16. Winner, yeah. winner, winner. That might be a winner, winner wins the division kind yeah. of game. So. I saw a number yesterday. Um, I saw a number yesterday during the Sunday Night Football game. The If the te- teams that start out three and four – Teams that start out three and four only make the playoffs about fourteen percent of the time. Teams that start out uh, four and three make the playoffs roughly, I think, fifty-one percent of the time. So it's an uphill battle from this point forward for the Eagles. It is. I don't know what's left on their schedule, but it's going to be an uphill battle for them from this point forward. The Eagles are a ridge of their main schedule. The Eagles are at Buffalo, at Buffalo, home against the Bears, home against the Patriots, home against, they get three straight home games, home against the Seahawks, at the Dolphins, home against the Giants, at Washington, home against the Cowboys, and at the Giants. So they it's get... Not, it's not easy. They get three... They, the next three weeks, they get the Bills, the Bears, and New England. They could... Vi- Listen, the Eagles could very easily come out of that three and seven. They could lose three straight games. Now, I don't think they will, but I think they probably they will probably lose to the Patriots. And I wouldn't be surprised if because the Bears and the Bills have better defenses than the Cowboys, and they struggled against the Cowboys defense. So I, I, I'm very curious to see what happens in those next three weeks. Those next, I mean. I think in order for the Eagles to remain in it, they've got to go two and one in those three weeks. If they go one and two, I think it's it's going to be very hard for them to climb back because they'd have to beat Dallas in the second game against them. They would have to sweep with the Redskins and sweep with the Giants, which is more which is realistic. But there's a lot of pressure remaining with the Eagles if they do not if they don't go out. And win two of those three games. They've got it. And they're all at home. So that's fortunate for them that they're all in Philadelphia. But it's gonna be, it's tough. It's tough. All right, what's next? World Series begins on Tuesday in Houston after the Astros uh, big way after the Do we Astros have a game one pitching run. matchup yet? I'm actually really curious about that. Do we have a... I think... I, I, think, I don't think... We, we probably do, do right? I th- it's probably Garrett Cole goes game one. Probably, well, Garrett Cole now is six days rest, so it's probably going to be Garrett Cole against uh, Scherzer or Strasburg. Yeah. Oh, if we got Garrett Cole and Scherzer... I mean, those are the two best pitchers in Major League Baseball. How awesome would that be? You're going to get... You got three... You're going to get three really good pitching matchups these first three games with, get with Cole and Scherzer, Strasburg, Verlander, and Corbin and Granke. You get three really good so pitching matches. I was I was talking about this with uh, with our good uh, our good friend David Brody, who um, who I've gotten relatively close with. So I was talking about him at, uh, talking to him about this uh, Saturday night after the Yankees lost, 
And I was thinking, this World Series might have the most incredible, most loaded pitching, like starting pitching rotations that we've ever seen. Because think about this for a second. You've got Cole, Verlander, Granke, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Abal Sanchez. I mean, that's loaded. Loaded. I've never seen a World Series with that good of starting pitching on both sides. Especially when you look at the, those top three guys, those top, those, the three guys each that these guys have, that these have on the starting rotation. It's amazing. Corbin, Corbin Scherzer, Corbin Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, Cole, Verlander, Brink. Those, those six pitchers are six of the best in the game. And Verlander and Cole and Strasburg and Scherzer are right up there every year as the best in baseball. Cole's probably going to win the AL Cy Young <laughs> Award. Cole's it's probably going to win insane. the AL Cy Young. Probably. Verlander's won multiple Cy Youngs. Scherzer's won multiple Cy Youngs. You know, Strasburg has pitched as well as Stras- Strasburg is a Cy Young caliber pitcher. pitcher. Yeah. He's pitched as, Strasburg's pitched as well as he's ever pitched in his right. career right now this year. He's been lights out in the been postseason. Incredible. He's been lights out in the playoffs. It's gonna, this World Series is going to come down to who has the best timely hitting and who's the best at running scoring position. And I know the Astros struggled with running scoring position in the ALCS, but they still have that, that capability to get the big hit yeah. when it matters. I still think, and I, th- I just think they play small ball a little bit better yeah. than the Nationals do. I, th- I still think they have the advantage. But pitching-wise, this is going to be a fun series. I'm gonna, I, I can't wait. Scher- Scherzer... Uh, Scherzer Cole game one and Cole's on six days rest now. Right. They didn't have they didn't have to pitch him game seven. He's on six days rest. Right. This will be fun. This is gonna be a fun, fun pitching matchups in this series. Right. And finally, uh, finally the New York Yankees. Uh, uh, New York Yankees with with the bullpen approach. Uh, you know it almost paid off the bullpen approach. It really did. In the end, the run. In the end, just their lack of not getting the big hit uh, cost them this game and cost them really this series. I look at, but I look at DJ LeMahieu, and I think that's I think that's the big story for the Yankees, not just in Game Six, but in all season long. DJ LeMahieu had the at bat, in my opinion, of the series. That at bat was fantastic. He he was fantastic in that at bat, and there were a couple of foul balls where I where I thought, where you just like, okay, he's just under. If he just gets enough, that thing's gonna go out. Sure enough, sure enough, boom, right field home run. Can I, DJ LeMahieu has been has been fantastic all season long. DJ LeMahieu has been the best Yankee this year. He has been. He's been unbelievable. Uh, this is the thing that's unbelievable to me. The amount of flack that Araldis Chapman is getting is ridiculous. Okay, because uh, think about this. He gave up the walk-off homer to Altuve. I, like I said, I wouldn't have pitched to Altuve. Altuve. I would have walked Altuve and face Jake Marisnik. But at the same time, you've got to kind of think about this. He gave up the home run to Altuve, and people are saying, oh, Chapman sucks. You realize that Chapman's been unbelievable all year long, right? He's been one of the best, if not the best closer in baseball all season. All season. I, I forget about it. I, I really find it amazing how people are. It, it really is incredible. You suck, Chapman. No, he does not. Give me a break. And I hope Chapman comes back. I really do. I hope Chapman. I hope Araldis Chapman either opts into his contract or the Yankees can oh. sign him again because I really, 
I, well, I Yankees, like him as the Yankees closer a lot. The Yankees were 16 overall at the plate in the, in the ALCS. The Yankees were 16 for 103 with runners in scoring position with 32 strikeouts. You know what's now, funny? I actually saw I, a graphic. I'm going to I'm going to pull it up now. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think our buddy Jake Asman posted it. Uh, and this was an MLB Network uh, this was an MLB Network graphic. So if I can pull it up, I'm going to say, okay. So they were 0 for 7. The Yankees, the ALC, this is the ALCS report between the Yankees and the Astros. In every offensive, or I should say, in all of these categories, the Yankees were up a leg on the Astros. They scored more runs, had a higher batting average, better average with runners in scoring position, more home runs, better starter ERA, better bullpen ERA. So the Yankees had, okay. The Yankees led in runs. It was 17-16. The Yankees scored more runs. Uh, batting average Yankees, it was 199. Astros were 178. Average with runners in scoring positions, the Yankees were uh, were 172, and the Astros were 103. Home runs, Yankees hit 8. Astros hit 6. The starter ERA, Yankees, was 2.66. Astros was 2.9. And bullpen ERA, the Yankees were 2.42, and the Astros were 4.2. The yeah. Yankees led in all, all of those, those categories and still lost the series. Yeah, because the Astros, in the end, got the big hits when they had to. Carlos Correa, walk-off homer in Game 2. George Springer getting a big walk in, on Saturday. It was two outs. It was two outs. They got, they got the first two outs in the ninth. But Springer, got, Springer walked, set up Altuve, he got the two-run homer. Right. They got to, uh, they, they won, what was it, Game 3 with Garrett Cole? It was like 8th of... Was uh, they won the game with Garrett Cole? He was fantastic. They pulled away late in Game Four, up eight four eight three. They got they got the runs when it counted. Yeah, all the numbers right. favor the Yankees, but they got the big hits and the big runs when it mattered the most. And you get you just tip your hat. You just tip your hat because that, that, that is a testament to how good and how well and how good the Astros are and how well coached they are. They put three great defensive plays Game Five. Jose Altuve's Jose Altuve career double play. Uh, Josh Reddick making a diving play. The Michael Brantley diving play. Brent Strom might be the best pitching coach in baseball. He really might be. Brent Strom is unbelievable in his job. A.J. Hinch is a great manager, and I mean a great manager. Fantastic. I mean, they are... They've got something really special over there. They really do, and it pisses me off because they, they are literally the only team in baseball that stands in the Yankees' way. You realize that, right? The Astros are the only team that give the Yankees fits. The Yankees own every other. They owned the Dodgers. You realize that, right? When they went to L.A., they they owned the Dodgers. I I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I look at the now. I, I want to get to the Yankees. You mentioned it before about their free agency. Obviously, yeah. Chapman's up. Chapman might leave. DD is a free agent. DD might leave. Uh, uh, Brett Brett Gardner. Sure. Edwin Encarnacion's got his team option. In the, all those guys, what, who would you? Uh, you've already said you bring Chapman back, but who would you? Uh, who would you think about saying, okay, you know what, we can move on from this guy and go get another guy? And of course, obviously, pitching will be pitching will be a big factor for the Yankees offseason. I think getting more guys well, like Yankees TJ LeMahieu can be big. The Yankees don't have a lot of free agents. The Yankees do not have a lot of free agents, so I would imagine. I think the only free agents they have are Didi Gregorius, 
uh, Edwin Encarnacion, and Dylan Batances. I think those Batances are the Batances too. Yes, I think those are the only three guys that are uh, that are free agents. I would definitely let go of Edwin Encarnacion. I, without a doubt, I would. But I do kind of want to say it'll be tough for me. Gardner's a free agent, too. Gardner is a free agent. Yes. You're right. It would be tough for me to let go of Didi Gregorius, but it might be time. It might be time. I'd bring him back on the cheap, but I wouldn't. I would not pay him super. I, I would not pay him big shortstop money. So if we got to let him go, we got to let him go. And it's going to be painful because I really, really like him a lot. But if we got to let him go, we got to let him go. Batances, I definitely want to bring back. Uh, Gardner, I don't think, would play anywhere else. So I think if we didn't sign him, he'd retire. But Gardner would probably come back on the cheap as well. He'd sign another one-year deal. I don't know. I, I would... As much as it would pay me to say it, I would probably let go of Didi, uh, Didi Gregorius just because you know that you're going to want to lock up guys like Judge and Torres and guys like that long-term. And you're going to want to lock up DJ LeMahieu, too, after this two-year deal. You're, you're going to want to sign him back. Yeah. And you're going to want to sign some starting pitching. Uh, Didi, Didi Gregorius just might be a, a salary, not, not a salary cap, but might be a luxury tax victim. So, unfortunate, but we'd probably have to let him go. All right, that's the news. Interim Big J journalist Devin Mazza here on a Monday. Boy, it's hot in here, is it not? It feels like it is. Maybe it's just me. I'm I'm sick, so everything. I'm hot all the time now. Yeah, it might be you. Sorry, dude. Might be you. Yeah, it's probably me. Boy, oh boy. All right. Uh, Coming up next. Rapid fire recap. I take every game from Sunday. I got 30 seconds to recap that game. I got to do them all. That's coming up next. The Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show Yo. with Mike Guido. Hour two. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network on a Monday. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. It's good to have you in here on a Monday. Uh, still fighting a cold, still hopped up on Dayquil. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to go through a million of these, these water bottles. I'm going to go through a million of these today. <laughs> Evan, I got to keep, you know, because if my throat's going to be scratchy all day, I got to keep these vocal cords lubricated. It's not going to be, listen, it's been miserable for me for the past couple of days. I can't do anything. I really can't do, every, I, every time I do something, I feel like I want to die afterwards. It's just like, oh God, I can't go to the store without like, oh, I just want to go to bed. I can't, I can't, I can't do anything. It's really, really her- uh, terrible. Uh, okay. Just terrible. So here we go, rapid-fire recap. The way that this works, we do this every Monday. We take all the games from Sunday. i got to recap them in 30 seconds. Uh, 30 seconds per game. Thir- trying, to do it in all, trying to do them all in 30 seconds would be impossible. But nice. 30 seconds per game. Evan, here we go. Okay, game one. Uh, Packers over the Raiders, 42-24. Go! Uh, Aaron Rodgers had, I think, his first unbelievable game of the year, and this is how good the Packers can be 
when Aaron Rodgers is on his best game, I think they could blow out even good teams because I don't think Oakland is bad. Uh, the one other thing that I noticed, too, Josh Jacobs is a real deal running back. That guy can really, really play. The Packer defense is really good, and he ran all over them. But Green Bay, I think, is the most legitimate threat in the NFC North, and I think it's not even close. I mean, Green Bay is awesome. Fox has stop. Game two. Rams over the Falcons, 37-10. Go. The Falcons are so disappointing. They're the most disappointing team in the NFL. I don't think it's even close. What are they right now? One in they're one, one in, six. They're one in six. They got blown out at home. They, they were no spot to win that football game. And the LA Rams were not fantastic. They did not play out, uh, out of this world offensively. But Jared Goff was good enough. He was he was fine. Gurley played good enough. They had receivers. Like I said, this this matchup was not good for the Falcons, and it proved to be that way. Pass rush for the Rams and wide receivers for the Rams. Fox has stopped. Next game. Colts over the Texans, 30 to 23. The Colts, Go. the Colts are for real. They really are. They they can bring pressure on the quarterback, and they did with Deshaun Watson yesterday. They were sacked three times. And the Texans are a different team when they don't protect Deshaun Watson. Uh, they don't run the ball as well. That Watson does not have as good a day uh, throwing the football. He threw two picks yesterday. And I, I will be completely honest with you. I think Jacoby Brissett's legit. I mean, 326, four touchdowns yesterday was efficient. The, they run the ball well. He doesn't have crazy talented receivers, but he makes the most out of them. The, Damn. Fox, stop. That's tough, man. Next game, 49ers shut out Washington, 9 to nothing. Go. I was very disappointed in this game because this was one of my four short fours. It was 49ers minus 10, and I said, take it. They win by 9, and they shut out the Redskins. But the Redskins, I'm not even kidding. The Redskins might be the worst team in the NFL. I think they might be worse than Miami. But here's my thing. they Such uncertainty at quarterback, uh, bad coaching all around for Washington. San Francisco, you know, the – They'll beat you, and they're legit, but they do have their up-and-down weeks where offensively they can't get anything going. Maybe that's a question to Jimmy Garoppolo. Next game, Vikings over the Lions, 42-30. Go. I think the Vikings are legit. Uh, They are very, very good. Uh, Kirk Cousins has had three really great weeks in a row, and this is what I'm talking about. If Kirk Cousins can play like the guy that they paid $28 million to, then the Vikings are going to be really, really good. They have a great defense, and they have an explosive offense. Their O-line is struggling, but they're finding ways to get past that. And Detroit, I think, is actually pretty good, too. They just ran into a tough week this week against Minnesota, who's really hot right now. Jaguars beat the Bengals 27-17. Go. Like I said, this was kind of going to be my who cares game of the week. This was the most sloppy offensive game I think I've ever seen. Gardner Minshew was not good in this game. It was 15 of 32, uh, completed less than 50% of his throws. Leonard Fournette is finally coming out and playing like the fourth overall pick that he was drafted to be. I think Leonard Fournette's a really good running back, and I think it's cemented now. Cincinnati's got to move on from Andy Dalton. He's going to go be his backup somewhere, but they've got to move on from Andy Dalton. they just got to start over. Cincinnati's a mess. Cardinals beat the Giants 27-21. Go! Uh, I'm really surprised by how good Arizona has looked in the past three weeks. They're 3-3-1. Three, three and one. They're a 500 football team. Kyler Murray is playing good football. Cliff Kingsbury is coaching good football. I mean, Arizona is looking really good right now. Really good. And Chase Edmonds was their running back. They gave the ball to David Johnson one time. One. 
I, I mean, they're playing well, and I know everybody's going to jump off the Daniel Jones bandwagon. He's a rookie. Give it a little bit. He's going to be fine. Bills over the Dolphins, 31-21. Go. Uh, I think Buffalo is for real. I really do. Now, their defense struggled yesterday. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually played a good game yesterday. They were able to run the ball well. Uh, they have a really nice receiver in Preston Williams. I actually really like him. He's going to be part of their future. But Buffalo can play. They can really play. Josh Allen has clearly improved from last year. He's much more accurate. You gave him some more weapons. They run the ball well. Buffalo is a legit team in the AFC. Titans over the Chargers, 23-20. Go. I, 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 I've given up on the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, are the most disappointing team I've ever seen in my life. I, you know, And I just said that about the Falcons, but let's be real about this. I, I, it might be time to draft a new quarterback just because Rivers is getting older. He's not playing poorly, but they don't run the ball well. They don't play good defense. I, the Chargers are just terrible. And Tennessee, they're directionless. Tannehill was okay yesterday, not great. Uh, both, I think, are kind of directionless right now. Ravens over the Seahawks, 30-16, to 16, go. Uh, what a game for Lamar Jackson. How about that? Uh, it, look, I, he ran the football incredibly well. He struggled in the passing game, but that's also because he was missing a couple of receivers. 9 of 20 for 143. Did not have a good day throwing the football, but uh, they knew that going in, and they still couldn't stop the run. I really like Lamar Jackson. And yesterday was the first game I think I've ever seen in his career where Russell Wilson actually struggled. Russell Wilson did not play well yesterday at all. Saints over the Bears, 36-25. Go. Teddy, Teddy two gloves. I love Teddy Bridgewater. And I genuinely believe this. They should keep him around to take over for Drew Brees. I think they've got their answer with Teddy Bridgewater. Their offense is really good. Uh... They, they can run the football. They blew, Look, they blew out the Bears yesterday with no Alvin Kamara. That, that is something right there. And the Bears, uh, that offense is a mess. It really is. I don't get it. Matt Nagy's a great coach. I'm starting to think it's personnel. They don't have talent. Cowboys over the Eagles, 37-20 on Sunday Night Football. Go. Like I said, I don't know what to tell you about Dak Prescott. The Cowboys looked incredibly good yesterday. But this is another one of those runs where I bet you that he's going to go on a tear for another couple of weeks, and then he's going to fall apart. And true, I, did we maybe overestimate the Eagles? Maybe the Eagles are not as good as we thought that they were. They've got talent, and they're well-coached, but they're not playing well right now. And Dallas, like I said, a little inconsistent, but they've got talent. I think they're in control of the NFC East right now. Okay. Monday night tonight. What happens? Patriots, Jets, let's go. Like I said, I, I'm sticking with this. I think that the one division game that the Patriots lose all year is going to be at the Jets at MetLife. I, I think the Jets actually were able to get this win. I don't think Adam Gase has thrown everything at uh, the... Uh, I don't think he's given away all the secrets of the playbook. Sam Darnold makes them a much better team. And truthfully, when the Patriots have played good defenses, Tom Brady has not played well. So I actually like the Jets tonight at home. So there we go. That'll Rapid fire recap. All righty. So we try to do that. We do that every Monday. It is. It gets really, really tough because I feel like I could fit more into thirty seconds when I actually can't. 
I don't have a timer on me, so it's not like I can, you know, I don't see a timer. It just kind of sneaks up on me. I've got to kind of ramble through everything. But, um, you know, I, look, I've gotten feedback on Rapid Fire Recap, and a lot of people like it. A lot of people like it because they like that kind of challenge of me talking really fast. I actually think it's funny. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with it. And people actually, you know, I've gotten feedback, Evan. People actually like it when you say, when, uh, you say clock says stop. Or whatever, timer says stop. Or clock, I say clock says stop. <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy. It gets tough, though. You definitely get, we de- going through this now, we've done this now, what, three weeks now? Three weeks. You, def- we definitely, you definitely get better at it as the game goes on. Like, yeah. as, like, early I'm on. Trying, early man. on. Because, like, the last couple of games, I think the last couple of games you got, let me see. Let me just get the games back up. I think the last couple of games you were able to get, you were able to at least finish up before the 30-second mark. Dolphins, right. Bills, Chargers, Titans, Ravens, Seahawks, Saints, Bears, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles Jaguars, Bengals. Like, you were, able to, you were able to finish that right before 30 seconds. Right. Like, as, as it was about to hit 30 seconds. Yeah. But uh, I do like the Jets tonight. I do like the Jets. I think that they, uh, like I said, they haven't thrown everything at, uh, out of the playbook yet. Uh, I think Sam Darnold... It makes them a different football team. That's a good defense. Even without corners, that's a good defense. Uh, look, I think, I'm not saying that the Jets are going to blow them out offensively, but I do think that the Jets have the edge in matchups. I do. Because I think they're going to look different, and I think defensively they're going to do a number on Tom Brady. Because, Bra- look, Brady this year, he's played great against weak defenses. I shouldn't even say that. He's played good against weak defenses. The best defense he played all year was Buffalo, and he had the worst game he's had in 13 years. He was awful in that football game. So I'm a little skeptical, but we'll see how that goes. Josh, I do Josh. like the Jets tonight. Uh, that was one of my four short four. I was 2-1 and one over the weekend. I got the college game right uh, because Michigan covered against Penn State. And uh, what was it? I lost the game with San Francisco Washington. and Washington. I was off by a point. San Francisco won 9 nothing. I didn't think that they would struggle that badly offensively. And the other game was Rams and Falcons. And I got that game. I thought the Rams minus three. I thought the Rams were going to blow them out. So I think, uh, and I got that one right. So, all right, uh, coming up next. Uh, we got Ray Anzelowitz, the president of Gotham Hoops. So I want to talk... The start of the NBA year is tomorrow. I want to get his thoughts on that. Uh, That's coming up next. The Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. It's good to have you in. Here on a Monday, hour number two, it's 12.30, which means I want to bring on somebody that knows a lot more about basketball at both the college and professional level, way more than I do. A good friend of mine, business partner of mine, Ray Anzelowitz. Ray, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good, Ray. Now, before we get into anything NBA, you texted me not too long ago asking me if I was interested in doing an event for you. Uh, I think it was, uh, when is it? I think it's in January, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, of course, I, I, I had to say absolutely I am because I love doing those events. 
Uh, but tell us a little bit about the event. I know you hold it every year, and I ask you about it every year. Uh, but tell our listeners that don't know who you are and don't know what your business is, kind of promote your event a little bit. What, what is it for and what does it do? Absolutely. So this will be our third annual Gotham Hoops Winter Classic. It will be held January 25th and January 26th. That's a Saturday, Sunday at Holy Cross High School in Flushing, Queens. We'll have 15 top high school basketball programs uh, competing over the course of the weekend. And we'll have teams from, of course, uh, the New York uh, metro area, but we also have teams coming down from, from Connecticut, Maine. Uh, we have a program that participated last year coming back from, from Ontario. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to see local talent compete with, with out-of-state uh, prospects and at the end of the day this is an opportunity for student athletes um, no matter where they're from to compete in front of college coaches with the hopes of of increasing the visibility to recruiters and uh, and eventually earning earning scholarships for themselves yeah it's it's absolutely a great business they're always fun to watch always fun to broadcast for I do the play-by-play for those events uh, myself and my color guy Xavier Glyburn that uh, that do a lot of the play-by-play there all right let's get into the uh, into the NBA year, Ray, because uh, it starts tomorrow, Pelicans and Raptors, uh, and then we got Lakers-Clippers. Now, the first game of tomorrow night, uh, I think was ex- it was supposed to be a little bit more exciting because Zion Williamson was supposed to be playing in it, uh, but he is not. There, he's got the injury. They're supposed to be, uh, there was a report out that says he's supposed to miss several weeks uh, with a knee injury. Uh, this was kind of his thing, right? He's, uh, he's a massive guy. He's like 6'7", 280, and he's as athletic as he is, but this was kind of his bugaboo. This was this was the thing that kind of held him back, is that he's so big he might be prone to injury. You know, do you see this as maybe kind of a, a trend that we'll have to follow in his career, and are you worried about Zion's health? To, to answer the, the latter first, uh, truthfully, I, I am. Uh, it's, um, there, there's cause for concern really for the reasons that you were just mentioning as far as the combination of his of his speed, athleticism, and then also his size. So uh, I believe the NBA just, just measured him at 6'6", but he's also the second heaviest player in the league behind Boban. Uh, so that, that certainly isn't ideal. I think that, um, and I, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone, that he needs to get into better shape. But, of course, his size and, and his um, speed and athleticism are what makes Zion Zion. But um, it is, uh, it's positive that the, that the Pelicans are taking the appropriate response and course of action and nipping this in the bud and not letting a, an injury, no matter how big or how small, linger on. But it's just something that you hate to see for the number one pick and arguably one of the most exciting players to come into the league in, in, in the past decade or two uh, just to start his career on the bench because of a knee injury that could very well uh, build into something that could be catastrophic uh, for his career, knock on wood. So it, it's not it's not ideal, and uh, and hopefully this this brief stint of him sitting out will will just allow him to to have a long and luxurious career moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I really hope that for this kid because not only is he a great player, but he's a great kid. I've never heard anything negative about Zion Williamson at all. He's not he's not kind of he's not pompous. He's not cocky, uh, and I love that kid. I love that part uh, about him. But let's talk about the Pelicans for a second because he's Zion has already kind of ascended somewhat into stardom, 
right? Because the people are watching him in the preseason, and he's already dominating in the preseason. I know he doesn't have much of a jump shot, but it, it, at this point in his career right now, it isn't seeming to matter that much because he's crazy efficient from the field, and he's just physically dominating everybody else despite how young he is. You know, when Zion comes back, how realistic are the chances for New Orleans to, obviously they're not a finals contender, but how realistic are their playoff chances, do you think, Ray? I think, I think they have a legitimate shot. Uh, truthfully, I even have, have my, my playoff picture um, on paper, and I have them as the, as the ninth team in the West. So I have them just on the outside looking in. Um, I don't think, or rather, I think it hurts, uh, of course, for, for Zion to, to miss the start of the season. Um, because uh, truthfully, every game matters, especially when you're competing in in the in the highly um, uh, touted Western Conference. But I, I do think that they're a legitimate playoff contender. Um, the West is as deep as it, as it's ever been heading into this season, especially with with Golden State um, taking a step or two back. Um, so I think I think the Pelicans have have a real good shot at. at at sneaking into the playoffs by the by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I, I think they do too. That's a very loaded West. Uh, speaking of loaded West, so we got Lakers Clippers tomorrow night. Uh, that I think is going to be an incredible game. Though I, I'm actually going to spoil one of my bold predictions. Uh, but I think right now, I I think the Lakers blow them out tomorrow, just because it, obviously in Los Angeles at the Staples Center, but. Paul George not playing for the Clippers, I think, is a big deal because I feel like the Clippers, we love them, we love their depth, we love their coaching staff, but this is a very new thing. You know, I feel like they've got, you know, uh, they're kind of interesting to me. I feel like they're very defense first, uh, and the Lakers are just going to shoot the lights out of the building. They're going to do a lot of LeBron, Anthony Davis. I think it's the Lakers game to take tomorrow. That being said, what team out of Los Angeles do you feel or do you have most faith in going forward for the rest of the year? I don't. I'm not sure if it's because it's a carryover from uh, the the finals and, and how the season ended a year ago. But in my opinion, I have more faith in the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi is is as dominant a player uh, in the league as, as any right now, especially with the performance he put up in the finals against the Warriors. And of course, he had a great supporting cast. Um, but it, it, of course, PG has to get healthy. Um, I know, I know, Kyle Kuzma is day to day, and and truthfully, I think that the Lakers are gonna are gonna experience some some injuries over the course of the season, as as a lot of teams do. But um, if I were betting man, I, 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 I have a little bit more faith in the Clippers than I do in the Lakers as of right now. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I, I think that's fair to say, and I think that's the, more the common answer is a lot of people like the Clippers a little bit more than the Lakers because uh, do you think that some people like the Clippers more? Do you think part of that has to do with what the Lakers were last year? Because the Lakers were not – they were the story of the NBA and not in a good way. LeBron got hurt. He kind of took shots at LeBron and everything, saying that he was kind of on the down slope. Do you think that the impression the Lakers made with LeBron last year is kind of resonating to how people feel about them this year? Possibly. I think any, any educated basketball fan would say no. Uh, but, of course, there's a lot of people that, that follow the league or at least – the, the outside and the and the optics and 
and just read the storylines. But again, in my opinion, any knowledgeable fan will will put that to the side. Um, last year was last year. They had they have a, a really a, a clean slate, a, almost a brand new roster from how it looked a year ago with a, with only a couple um, leftovers and. And of course, Magic Johnson um, is no longer with the organization. So I think from 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 top to bottom, this is a a um, new Laker team that will that we'll be seeing on the court. So I think any issues that were going on, and, and of course the, the the losses, and then lastly, LeBron was out for a significant right. amount of time for the first time in a long time in his career. So um, I don't think there's any any reason to to keep that in mind moving forward with this year. Uh, talking to Ray Anzello, it's the pro, uh, president of Gotham Hoops. Uh, I, I want to ask you about this, Ray, because I, I think that the West is so loaded, and I, I, I've never been more excited for an NBA year because I think there's more parity. I think pe- more people can get involved. I think there's more finals contenders this year uh, than there were in years past. There is no team that I think we can say is going to dominate the NBA. They're all kind of, I wouldn't say evenly matched, but they're less separated. Uh I, look, I made my West predictions not too long ago. I had the Lakers and the Clippers as the top two teams. I had the Clippers as number one. Uh, but who do you like? We, we've been talking a lot about the Clippers. Do you like them to come out of the West right now, or is there kind of another team that you're looking at, maybe outside of Los Angeles, that can make that deep run? I like the Clippers to win the West as of now, but people need to really – Start putting the Denver Nuggets as a serious uh, final or finals contender, or at least uh, to represent the West in the in the finals. Um, I think that they've only gotten better. They've only gotten better over the, over these years. I think Nikola Jokic is going to be a uh, top two, if not top three, uh, MVP candidate. And this is this may be the year where, where they take that that next step and really make a push uh, for for the finals this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I'm super high on Denver. Uh, another team in the West that I'm really, really interested in, and I think that they can make a deep run too, uh, maybe even into the Western Conference Finals, is Utah. I'm very into their roster. I think the dynamic in their backcourt is going to be fantastic. Obviously, barring health, how do you feel about the Utah Jazz moving forward? Because I think the, that roster is very complete. They've got everything. They do. I mean, their their starting five is is really um, on par with with any top team in the in the league um, as far as contenders go. I'm a little concerned as to their their depth. Um, once once you have guys like um, even uh, a newcomer like Bojan Bogdanovic uh, coming out, and even one of those two backcourt mates in Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, you're you're really running thin on, on guys that can contribute. And and again. I know it's something as granular as, as backups, but um, you it, it, you can't have your your reserves either blowing leads or 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 um, turning a, a small deficit into a lo- into a larger one until the starters come in. So I, I I'm with you. I think that that the the Jazz starting five on paper is is pretty much as good as anyone in the NBA. But when when the when the game tips off and and those Starters start start coming out. Um, that's where I'm, I'm a little concerned. Whereas, just going back quickly to, to the Clippers, I mean, they, they they have two guys coming off the bench um, this year that that were finalists for the Sixth Man of the Year award. So, um, 
it, it's again, I think it's going to come down to, to how valuable or how 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 much can your bench contribute. But again, I think I think Utah will definitely take take a step in the in the right direction this year for sure. Right. How do you feel about Houston, Ray? I mean, that dynamic with Westbrook and Harden. I know a lot of people are talking about them. They're going to be a top five team in the NBA. I just. I, I, look, I, I don't know if I buy them. They're either going to be a, I think, a bottom of the West playoff team, or, or I actually I think they might miss it. They have no depth, and they're pretty much relying on those two guys. And I feel like they're going to get sick of each other halfway through the year. What say you on the Houston Rockets? I'm leaning. I'm, I'm a little bit more positive. I think that this point in their careers, Russell Westbrook and James Harden understand what it takes to get over the mountaintop. Um, both have, have had their trials and tribulations uh, separately. I mean, of course, they, they were teammates um, in, a, in a great uh, playoff run, I believe, in 2013, mm-hmm. um, and where they ended up losing to, to, to LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and, and that Heat team. But, um, I th- I, again, I, I'm positive. I think they'll figure, figure it out. I know that's incredibly much easier said than done, but I think that, that Houston will have any, any issue making the playoffs. I think I, I have them as, as a top-four seed um, right now, and, and I think that, that they're going to click and they're going to be a very tough team to stop, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that I think that Houston could be that. Like, like I said, if everything is clicking with Houston, I think they're going to be good. I just don't know if I buy the fact that they'll click. Yeah, of um, course, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, now let's kind of shift over to the East a little bit. Uh, actually, you, you know what? Uh, scratch that. Before I want to get into, that, I want to kind of get into Golden State uh, losing Kevin Durant. They're not going to have Clay Thompson till March or whatever it is. That. How do you feel about Golden State this year? How big of a step back do you think that they'll take, if any? They'll take a step back. They are no longer the the hand down pick to not only win the finals but at least win the West. Um, and I think that's that's rightfully so. You you lose arguably the best scorer in the world, if not in the, in the history of, of the NBA, and Kevin Durant as far as at least the, the most unique and versatile player right. there is. Um, but then, like you just mentioned, Clay Thompson, who is um, right up there with Steph as one of the greatest shooters of all time is going to be out for an extended period period of time. With all of that said, I think that GM Bob Myers and his staff did a terrific job in the off season and filling in those pieces to the best of their ability. Of course, D'Angelo Russell was part of the uh, the deal that sent KD to to Brooklyn. But I think that, um, and I've mentioned him before in your show briefly, but I think in um, uh, a, a great. Just, just signing or, or play that they re-signed was was Kavon Looney. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that the, uh, he didn't have more, um, more offers, or if he did, that they weren't high enough because he didn't take a lot of money to go back to Golden State. I know he and Bob Myers are both UCLA uh, guys, so maybe that had something to do with it. And of course, he had a great situation. But um, where I'm getting at is, I think Warriors did a great job in, in the midst of all this drama and, of course, a, a tough uh, NBA Finals loss. To, to really keep everything intact, and I think they're going to. I think they're going to play incredibly well. Um, I have them um, uh, in the bottom half of, of the West right now, but uh, it's even tough for me to say that they won't be uh, on the, in the upper echelon once all said and done. Just because I think Steph is going to to really show what what he's made of now that 
Um, he's, he's the lone splash brother out there on the court for for majority of the season. And I think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a seamless fit. Um, I love the the draft picks that they that they um, that they got in Eric Pascal and Jordan Poole. And then I think another underrated couple moves are uh, taking signing Willie Cauley Stein, who's going to be an athletic rim runner and rim protector for them. And then lastly, their most recent acquisition is Marquise Chris, a former lottery pick that kind of fizzled out in Phoenix after a year at Washington. Um, didn't really do much with the Cavs, and and the Warriors let go Alfonso McKinney, who who seemed to be a fan favorite, um, although he, his offensive performance was lackluster in the playoffs. But you drop a guy like McKinney, um, who you know can add value, especially on the defensive end, for for really an unsure commodity in Marquise Chris, that could be a um, uh, a high reward play at the end of the day. So with all that said, I think the Warriors are going to be are going to be in it to win it up. By, by the end of the season. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised when they got re- when they uh, let go of uh, Alfonso McKinney too. I know you were a fan of his. Uh, so uh, let's kind of now let's shift over to the East. Uh, obviously, it's a lot weaker. It's going to be very top heavy. It's going to be very Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, uh, maybe Indiana is sprinkled in there as well. Brooklyn. Uh, it's going to be very top heavy. Uh, what team intrigues you the most? Who do you like coming out of the East? Uh, Philly. Hands down, I think I think this is the year. I know I just mentioned before regarding some of the teams in the West. I think this is the year that Philly really makes that push and and um, and, and and puts their their stake in, in the in the Eastern Conference um, and and represents represents the East in the finals. Uh, I know I know losing Jimmy Butler um, is, is is a big hit, but I think that the fact that they supplemented it with with Josh Richardson, who I believe is, is a incredibly underrated talent in the league. Um, the fact that he and Tobias Harris already have a connection from um, and, and a tie um, as, as Tennessee guys. Um, and, and again, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, their, their two young bright stars are only getting better. And then lastly, and certainly not least, the, the addition of Al Horford. Not only do you, do you hinder or, or rather hurt um, the, the Boston Celtics by taking away their, their leading big man, but you add someone that you know between Horford and Embiid are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and, and I say that with Giannis Antetokounmpo in mind, where over the, in the playoffs he struggled to, to really um, drive on, on, on defenses that were collapsing on him, and then you add two seven-footers with, with that type of foot speed and, and, um, and, and defensive uh, IQ, they're, they're going to be a, a Dominant uh, front court, and I think top to bottom, Philly is gonna is gonna lead uh, lead the East. Yeah, I, I think I'm hearing a lot of people get in uh, get in on Philadelphia as well. The 76ers have definitely uh, built something there. Uh, let's kind of I want to kind of get into this as well. Uh, you know, this NBA rookie class I think is very very interesting. You watch them a lot. Uh, Zion I think is obviously the favorite to uh, to take home Rookie of the Year. Who's the guy that we have to look out for that maybe we're not thinking about, Ray? I think it's Tyler Hero from, from the Miami Heat, uh, uh, sharpshooter um, coming out of uh, Kentucky, and I think he's going he's gonna to be a, a terrific complimentary piece next to the, the aforementioned Jimmy Butler. Um, Goran Dragic is, is, is another uh, guard there that I think will, will play well with Hero, but uh, that, that's a guy that I don't think is, is – has garnered enough attention. I know his his NBA career is is 
is just beginning, but um, throughout the year you'll be hearing his name a ton, and he's going to he's going to light it up, especially if Dion Waiters isn't that that next go-to player for the Heat. And truthfully, even if he is, um, it'll just it'll give a guy like Hero that much more space, and um, he doesn't need a lot of time to get off his shot. And any added second or split second is just a, a greater shot, a greater chance of that shot going in. So again, Tyler Hero for, for the Heat is another guy to. To look out for. All right, Ray, final question before I let you go. Ray Anzello, it's Gotham Hoops. Uh, Ray, your NBA Finals pick, way too early, but who do you have early on winning the NBA Finals? The Los Angeles Clippers, defeating the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. Wow. Weren't you in on, weren't you in on Philly? Like the, uh, the last time we talked, weren't you in on Philly? I know, I know that you like. I know you like Philly, but didn't you pick Philly? That was July summer league, and <laughs> I don't know if that was pre Kawhi and Paul George. But uh, again, I, I think I, I'm supremely confident in, in the Sixers this upcoming year. I know, I know, Giannis and, and Milwaukee will have something to say about it, and rightfully so. But uh, I think the Clippers by 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 the summertime, late spring summertime. When the playoffs and the finals get going, they're going to they're going to be at their best, and that's going to be scary. And and a guy that we haven't even brought up, and not a lot of people are really going to talk about, truthfully, um, a local product and, and Maurice Harkless. So just just very quickly, I think that's going to be a, an incredibly valuable piece for them, another defensive stopper. So not only do you take a, a piece away from Portland, who's going to who's going to have a uh, may challenge some of these top Western Conference teams um, come the playoffs, but but it's a player. It's a player that Kawhi nor uh, PG have to guard in crunch time, and you can give them a, a breath um, on the defensive end and have a, a formidable defender like like Mo Harkless um, clamping down on on some of the other play other teams t- top offensive guys. So I think for a lot of different reasons, the Clippers are going to are um, are going to have a really really good shot at winning this thing when it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ray, and I agree with you 100. percent All right, Ray Anzelowitz, Gotham Hoops. Uh, it's always fun to have him on. I'm going to try and get him on every week because he get, he does give a lot of insight uh, on the NBA year. He's kind of like our he's kind of like our inside NBA, inside college basketball <laughs> type man over here. He's my go to guy. Ray, good talking to you, bud. Same here as always. Take take care of yourself, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Ray Anzelowitz, the president of Gotham Hoops. He also he, that business that he runs is a really really great business. Uh, a lot of high school guys that uh, that play in those tournaments. Uh, get scholarships, they go on to play college basketball, they get educations and everything like that, and then he hosts another event for college uh, college seniors that are trying to get professional contracts, whether it's in the NBA or the PBL or whether it's overseas or anything like that. Um, that He also works with that too. Uh, very good basketball guy. All right, so let's go to the news with our interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a Monday. Well, big news in the NBA just a half hour ago. The Sacramento Kings have agreed to a four-year, $94 million contract extension with Buddy Heald. The deal includes $86 million in guaranteed money, $8 million in exceedingly reachable bonuses, and another $12 million in incentives that could have elevated the deal to $106 million over its terms. Uh, this according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So Buddy Heald is going to be with the Sacramento Kings for the long run. Four-year I, deal. I am so in to Buddy Heald. Like, I, it is not even funny how much I like him. I'm serious. I was in love with him during the draft. I'm in love with him now. I knew from the second that he walked into the league that he was going to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, 
He can shoot the lights out of this building. He's such a premier offensive player. Buddy Heald is going to be worth every single lick of that contract. And I'm telling you right now, this is a team that I've watched out for. The Sacramento Kings, they do have their dysfunction, but boy, do they have young talent. They do. I think that backcourt they've got with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald is among the best in the NBA. I really do. I think it is incredibly talented. Buddy Heald is going to be a staple in that organization for a long time. He's a phenomenal player. He is a phenomenal player, and he's going to score. He's going to score like a madman as he gets older. He really is. And he came into the NBA old. I mean, he was a twenty. He was twenty-four years old as a rookie, but he is only going to get better. He's going to be reaching his prime in the next year or two, and we're going to see him score. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him score at least once in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him score thirty points a game. I'm serious. He's going to have a year or two like that. More contract news in the NBA on Saturday night. The Toronto Raptors agreed to a four-year, $130 million contract rookie extension with Pascal Siakam. So the Raptors get that deal done. Uh, Yeah. He is is the third player from the 2016 draft class to get a max contract, the others being Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray. So Pascal Siakam, deal done. He's a great player. Pascal Siakam is an absolutely great player. I mean, people got to remember, he was the number two guy for the Raptors last year when they won the finals. They had to lock him up. The fans love him. And he isn't just a, you know, play in the post, get rebounds, that kind of guy. Pascal Siakam can drive the lane. He can ball handle. He can shoot a little bit. I mean, Pascal Siakam is actually a really nice player. Uh, Look, I've said this before. I know that the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard. Their finals hopes are probably gone, but this is a team that did not fall off a cliff. You know, the the Toronto Raptors are still easily a playoff team. They are. They have a talented roster. I wouldn't even be surprised if they made it to the second round of the playoffs. This is a good basketball team. Trade deadline fast approaching the NFL. The New England Patriots report came out today that the New England Patriots have inquired about Buccaneers tight end O.J. Howard, uh, but the Buccaneers have actually told them no. So the Patriots are looking around for a tight end. They're looking at O.J. Howard. Thank uh, you, Buccaneers, for telling the Patriots no. <laughs> they don't need a guy that is as uber-talented as O.J. Howard. And I listen, I get that O.J. Howard has been really underwhelming as a pro so far. He's a great blocking tight end. He blocks like a left tackle. I mean, O.J. Howard blocks like crazy. He's such a phenomenal player. The numbers will get there. And you better believe that if a guy that talented goes to New England, the guy's going to be the best tight end in football. 13 catches, 176 yards uh, so far this year for, for O.J. Howard. He struggled. He Look, O.J. Howard has not performed to what we thought he would perform. Part of that, I think, has to do with Jameis Winston. But another part of that has to do with, you know, he's developing kind of slowly. But if he's going to go to New England, I'm very happy about this. He would be a danger in New England. I'm not, I'm very happy that they, uh, well, for now, they they are turning them down. For now, they've told them no. I mean, 
mean, as always, you never know. But for now, the Buccaneers, you never know. But for now, the Tampa Buccaneers. And it ain't like New England doesn't need a tight end. New England misses Gronk. Their offense has been very average to below average this year. They've got receivers, but they miss Gronk. They miss having that big safety blanket tight end for Brady. The the Patriots miss him. And O.J. Howard would be that, trust me. All right, finally. uh, Joe Girardi this week could be a big week for him. Uh, He's getting a second interview with the Phillies today. He is currently in Philadelphia today for his interview with the Phillies. And later on this, at some time this week, he's supposed to get his second interview with the Mets. So big week for Joe Girardi. We could, I, I honestly, I think this might be the week we find out where Girardi's going. I'm actually very surprised how the Phillies have kind of become the favorite for Girardi. They, I, I, I really thought that the Cubs and Girardi, it was going to be like a lock. The Cubs really like Joe Espada. Really they like, like Joe Espada. Espada. They like Espada. And yeah. David Ross, I think, is still in there, too. Are you really? Yeah, he is. The, and da- uh, reading it right here, Joe Girardi is the clear favorite for the job as the Phillies. I'm really surprised about that. I really am. Because I, 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 I thought the Phillies I thought the Phillies were gonna go with somebody like Joe Espada, and I thought the Cubs were gonna have were gonna try and get Joe Girardi, you know, still an experienced manager, it's still a young team. You know what I mean? So I, I'm very surprised about that. I thought Girardi to the Cubs was a lock. I don't know, I was wrong. But that's crazy. He would be a decent fit in Philadelphia. Listen, Joe Girardi, I think, would be a good fit anywhere. He's a brilliant manager. The one thing I didn't like about Joe Girardi is I wanted him to be a little bit more personable with his players. I wanted him to be relatable with his players more. You know, I didn't want it to be... Like, Aaron Boone has something with the Yankees where he's more... Like, he relates to his players a lot more. Joe Girardi spent a lot of time in his office... You know, I, I want to see him do that more, especially if you've got a young club. You've got to kind of entertain your young guys. You've got to make it a fun environment for your young guys. Uh, that's the only worry I have with Girardi, but he's a brilliant manager, and he's going to be a good fit anywhere as long as he adjusts. As long as he adjusts to what players now demand, I think he'd be a good fit. Okay, that's the news. Interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a Monday. All right. So uh, coming up next, I'm going to tell you who is the most incredible, most unbelievable athlete that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm going to draw a parallel to somebody that changed the game in their sport. That's coming up next. The Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Attention, fantasy sports fans. Does it strike you as odd that the popularity of fantasy sports continues to grow, but the game itself never seems to change? Drafting players to be a part of your fantasy team is cool, but are you looking for something new? If you're a sports fan and you actively look for new ways to have fun and compete while watching sports, you gotta check out StatementGames.com. That's StatementGames.com. Statement Games is a new, simple, yet innovative form of sports gaming that is 
changing the way thousands of fans view sporting events. With Statement Games, you select player and game props or statements to compete in tournaments for prizes. Sign up for free using your Google or Facebook account. No credit card or debit card information is required. Try StatementGames.com today and watch how we take fantasy sports to the next level. StatementGames.com. That's StatementGames.com. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. It's hour three on a Monday, and it's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. It's good to have you in here on this Monday. I'm battling a cold. But like I keep saying, I'm hopped up on DayQuil, and I'm ready to go. I'm good. Right, Ev? What? Wow. <laughs> Pay attention, will you? Jeez. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to call Spano on you. <laughs> don't call Joe. Please don't call Joe. Oh, goodness gracious. You hopped up on DayQuil and tea and... Very, uh... Water, yeah. water, a lot of H2O. Yeah, a, lot of lo- vo- a lot of vocal cord lubrication. Um, all right, so plenty of stuff that we've talked about today. We had Ray Anzelowitz, uh, Ray Anzelowitz the president of Gotham Hoops, on uh, not too long ago. He was telling us a lot about how he likes, he likes Philadelphia and he likes the Clippers in the NBA Finals, and he likes the Clippers to win it. He thinks the Clippers are going to go all the way. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's interesting. Told us a lot about the NBA. Uh, rapid fire recap. That's always fun. But I do want to get into this. A lot of times in sports, we see guys that are just unlike anything we've ever seen before athletically. Right? Zion Williamson, who's six seven, two eighty, and can jump through the gym. Uh, you know, you get guys like Zy- uh like Giannis and LeBron and Saquon Barkley and Aaron Judge, who are just. I mean, just gifted athletes with size, and you watch them, and it's it's just unbelievable. You know, you don't want to stop watching them because you're just like, oh my god, how can they be that big, that athletic, all that? They are spectacles. They're they're different. And as I'm watching the Yankees lose on Saturday to the Houston Astros, I noticed that the most incredible athlete in the world is right there. And he's 5'6", 165. Jose Altuve is the most incredible, unbelievable athlete I've ever seen. Never did you think that you would be able to see somebody like him perform at such a high level. He's 5'6". And the guy hits 30 home runs a year. At 5'6". I also came to realize something. And I, I kind of drew a parallel for Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is Steph Curry. Think about this for a second. The game of basketball changed around Steph Curry. There were no Steph Currys before him. He got solely full of shooting threes that his team started shooting them at an alarming rate. And I mean like, like 45 a game. The teams used to make five threes a game. Now they make 19. The, 
there was no Steph Curry. He, uh, no little skinny guys that were making crazy three-point shots on the run. Nobody with that quick of a release that was that lethal. It totally changed the game of basketball. There were no Steph Currys. He was, he was the only guy that existed. But Steph Curry was never physically bought into. He was actually doubted because he was so small. He was, I, he was the skinniest player that's come out of an NBA draft. The, the guy was a twig. He was nothing. Jose Altuve is 5'6". Major League Baseball players are 6'2". I I mean, he's not supposed to be this good. The guy hits 300 and over 25 to 30 home runs a year. It's unbelievable what he does with what he's got. Also, think about this. When Steph Curry started winning MVPs, and winning titles, and getting the global stage, and started becoming more popular. Every kid in America wanted to be like Steph Curry. Because he's obtainable. He might never actually be obtainable, but in the eyes of young people, they can see, well, I'm not (laughs) 6'8". I can't dunk. I'm not close. I, but I, hey, look, I'm small and I can shoot a bunch of threes. That's realistic. Steph Curry is relatable and realistic to young athletes. Everybody wanted to buy a pair of Steph Curry Under Armour shoes. Every young kid that I see nowadays has one, if not two, Steph Curry Golden State Warrior jerseys. They all want to be like Steph. That's Jose Altuve. Every little leaguer in the country is going to try to be like Jose Altuve. The bat wiggle, the hop around the bases, you know, he's kind of bouncy. Second base will become the most popular position. Every young kid, coach, I want to play second. We really need you at shortstop or or center field. No, can you pitch? No, no, I want to play second. I want to be like Jose Altuve. Yeah, it's probably going to happen outside of New York because a lot of New York kids are going to be like, screw that guy. I want to be like Glaber Torres. I want to be like Aaron Judge. But Jose Altuve will become the most popular, most influential baseball player to young people that there is. It won't be Mike Trout. It won't be Bryce Harper. It won't be Aaron Judge because they're not relatable. Kids are going to look at Jose Altuve and say, He's little like me. I'm small like him, and look at it. He's hitting 25, 30 home runs. I could be like that. Altuve is obtainable. But Steph Curry is, uh, Jose Altuve is Steph Curry. And I mean, he's actually Steph Curry. We finally have a parallel. What Jose Altuve is doing as a short, unconventional athlete is shifting the paradigm in sports. He's shifting it. Altuve and Curry are the same. They changed the game, and it resonated with young people the exact same way. The exact same way. Jose Altuve is Steph Curry. Plenty of stuff to go over today. A lot. And I mean... 
this is really interesting because I'm watching Jose Altuve, and I understand that he had one like huge moment. I like I don't want to overreact to one huge moment, but Evan, I I you, really do mean, believe in. You mean this moment? Here's a two-one, and that's driven deep to left center field. Gardner is going back, looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Jose Altuve a walk-off two-run homer, and the Astros beat the Yankees six to four. Win the ALCS. Four games to two. Okay, the reality is that if he didn't hit that home run, we wouldn't be talking about it today. If he didn't hit that home run, we wouldn't be talking about it today. But think about it to the point of this has been going on at least for three years. I mean, Altuve's always been good. He's a six-time All-Star. It's not like he just got good. But when he won the MVP, I think that's when people really woke up and said, oh, my God, this guy's one of the top five, six players in our game. And he is. He's fantastic. He's, an, you know, he's also an underdog. And he's 5'6". Evan, he's a, how many times do I got to stress that? He's five and a half feet tall. I'm 5'11", 240. And I, I'm, I'm an overweight 240. I'm not that athletic. But I'm 5'11". And, Evan, you're shorter than I am. And you and I, can't, we're just not built athletically. Jose Altuve is five foot six and hits the ball f- as far as a guy who's six four. He's an you know he's an underdog and he's, he's an a, anomaly he's an story. He's an underdog story and he is and he has turned into uh, one of the best players in baseball right now. Oh. Top five, top three baseball players in the game. He's been, he's been, and he's the face of the Astros. He's the face of the Houston Astros. He's, he's one face of the faces of baseball. baseball. Yeah, it's it, it is absolutely crazy how we believe this. And like I said, I know there have a lot been a lot of people that say, "Oh, the 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 equivalent to Steph Curry is like is Patrick Mahomes." No, there there really is no parallel in any other sport. The only parallel to Steph Curry that I could find is Jose Altuve. The guy is changing the game for people that are smaller. I mean, everybody wants to be Jose Altuve. Every young kid wants to be Jose Altuve. And it's the same thing with Steph Curry. So I think it's fine that we draw the parallel there between Altuve and Steph. It's a real thing. All right, uh, coming up next, it's Bold Prediction Monday. I give you three bold predictions to move forward with uh, to take through the rest of these weeks. Uh, Some of them are short, some of them are long-term, but most of them are going to be wrong. So see how crazy I am. Next, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Massa, my producer on a Monday uh, just about close to get out of here. Uh, still got about a half hour to go. Uh, so I watched the Cowboy game last night, and I was very um, confused. And this is really where I go with this. I, 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 people are going to expect me to say, oh, is this the point now where you tell us how great Dak is? You know, it's week to week. Don't go back on your word. He was great yesterday. Now you're going to tell us he's great, right? That's not what I'm going to tell you. 
the truth is, and I know this goes against every bit of, like, sports talk radio rules, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really don't. You know, I've never felt more confused about Dak Prescott. I've never felt more confused about what to pull away from a Cowboy game. You know, I, on again and off again relationships, you get these sometimes, and all you get out of them is confusion. I don't want confusion with my quarterback. I've been exactly right about him. Sometimes he looks like a top 10, top 5 quarterback in the NFL and worth every single nickel of $35 million. And then there's the other weeks where he looks like a fourth-round pick where you think he's the backup and you're wondering where the starter is and when he's coming back. You know, I just, and I understand that people think I'm foolish for thinking the Cowboys are, are a legitimate Super Bowl team. I mean, did you not watch them last night? I mean, that's how good the Dallas Cowboys can be. They've got stars on that roster. Zeke, Amari Cooper, pretty much everybody on the offensive line. I mean, you're looking at these guys like, and everybody on that defense, Demarcus Lawrence, Robert Quinn, Leighton Vander Esch, Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. I mean, these are stars in this league. They can be incredibly good. You can't watch the game last night and tell me that there's that isn't a Super Bowl team because it, it looks like they can be. But I am just I, I I'm so iffy. He's so on and off again. I just I want to see. You know I I want to see him give me answers. You know Dak Prescott to me is the most unexplainable quarterback in the NFL, and in recent NFL history, I have no answers for him. And like I said, I don't know what to tell you about him because it's three great weeks, three bad weeks, and then a great week again. I'm just a little iffy, and I don't know what to think. All right, let's go to the news. Interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on A Monday. We're talking about the Cowboys and their NFC, their, uh, how talented they are, and how do they match up against the NFC. You're looking at these teams. In the NFC, you got the Rams, you got San Francisco, you got Seattle. In their division, you got Philadelphia. They got one more game with them. You got New Orleans, who they who they faced and lost. Uh, you got Green Bay, who they faced and lost. Uh, Minnesota obviously has played very bit, much better over the last couple weeks. And even Detroit and Detroit has surprised some people. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC, where we're, where are we ranking them in terms of talent? I'm not gonna put them ahead of the Packers. I'm not gonna put them ahead of the Saints. And I might not put him ahead of still the Rams or the Niners, but I'd certainly would put him around four or five. I might put him ahead of Seattle. Uh, I still, I actually might put him ahead of San Fran, even though San Fran's six and zero. I might put him ahead of Seattle and San Fran. All right, so. And I would put them ahead of Detroit. Obviously, I'll put them ahead of Minnesota. I would say in the NFC. My all right, opinion, so based my, on talent, based right? Based on talent, I would, talent. It was about two teams: the Packers and the Rams. And maybe, I'm sorry, Packers, Rams, Saints. Those are still, in my opinion, the three teams that pure talent are probably better than Dallas. Okay, based on pure talent. Yes. This is not how good they are. This is based on the talent they have on the roster. Yeah. Dallas, I think, is probably the second best team in the NFC. All right. Based on talent. And I think the only team that's better than them is Minnesota. I think Minnesota has, Minnesota might have the most talented roster in the NFL. I'm not kidding. You look at what they have on their defense, what the, the weapons they have offensively, Dalvin Cook, 
Thielen, Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. I mean, and then defensively with Rhodes and and Griffin and Hunter and Linval Joseph and you know Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and uh, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes and Harrison Smith. I'm like, God, they've got talent. They're loaded. They are loaded. Offensive line still struggles a little bit, but they're they are loaded in pretty much every area. But talent wise. I think Minnesota's the best team in the NFC, and Dallas is second. I don't think that Green Bay is more talented than the uh, than the Cowboys. I don't think that the Saints are more talented than the Cowboys. I don't think that the Rams are more talented than the Cowboys. I really don't, or the Niners, but they play a better brand of football. They're better coached. They're a little bit more stable. I mean, that's that's really it right there. So... But based on talent, Dallas has one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. No, they do. They do. So I would still say I still put them around four in the NFC. But again, they can match up with any of those teams above them. I know they got to get past Green Bay. That's that's a team that they got to get past. Uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, of course. Hey, they beat the Saints last year with Drew Brees. They lose to him this year without him uh, in New Orleans in the Superdome. The Rams, I still think. I think getting Jalen Ramsey was big for them. I still have my questions about their offense, but that Rams team, they again, they if they yeah. they, they play like they did yesterday, they'll win. They'll they'll be fine. Yeah, I should. I won't be worried too much about them. I but, agree. Uh, in the NBA, we'll go. We'll stick with the NBA for a second. Buddy Heels just recently signed his contract extension. Pascal Siakam got his contract extension. So, what player in the NBA right now are you most looking forward to getting a deal done? Are you most looking forward to seeing next get a deal done? Oh boy, that's a good question. I got to think about who's up for a deal. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think got a, actually no. Kyle Lowry did he? Yes, he did. I think he did. God, I'm actually not sure. I wish I could tell you. I'm not sure because, like I said, I don't know who's up for contract. Let me bring you up. Um, Gordon Hayward, uh, Gordon Hayward, Paul Millsap, Demar Derozan. Out of that's Virginia. one. DeMar DeRozan is one, yeah. I wonder where he goes. Because I'm not sure he sticks in San Antonio. He's got a player option. Uh, Gordon Hayward, player option. Paul Millsap is unrestricted free agent. Otto Porter Jr., Andre Drummond. Of course, Anthony Davis with a player option. But I think we're both expecting him to. You're expecting him to re-sign with the Lakers. I, yeah, I think he's going to sign long-term. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. Look, the NBA is shifting a lot more than normal. Right? They, they are... There, a lot of players are moving, and a lot of these duos are being uh, are being created and everything like that. I mean, it's a very interesting thing. I- I'm very interested to see. I'm very interested to see where some of these players move because a lot of these things, a lot, some of these things are going to happen through free agency. A lot of them are going to happen through trades. There's going to be a lot of players that get traded. Like I think Bradley Beal could get traded. There's going to be a lot of players that could get traded. That's, I, I mean, and that are, that's really going to shift the NBA. So that's that's the fun part about the league now is that there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of it, and it's way more than what we usually have. So it's it's something. All right, finally, finally, the NBA season kicks uh, will tip off. Uh, I know you haven't made your. I know you made. You did your top fifteen power rankings the other day. 
I don't think I don't think we do. Did you do your NBA Finals predictions yet? No, I don't. Mm. I don't think I did. Mm. All right. I'm not gonna ask you. I'm not gonna ask you. I will who probably your do them is. tomorrow. I'm not gonna ask you. I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna ask you to predict the finals right now. But what is your what is your outlook of where the NBA season will head this year and what teams could surprise? Many people make a make a run of the playoffs. Make surprise people make a run of the finals. Well, a, like I've said, I think that. All right, I'll give you a surprise team in the West and a surprise team in the East. So a surprise team in the West that I think could make it to the finals is um, is Utah. I think Utah's legit. That They've got a really nice backcourt uh, dynamic with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. They protect the rim incredibly well. But Ray was right when he brought this up that they, when it comes to the guys on the bench, I think they do have to get a little bit deeper, but they've got something. They definitely have something there. They're built like a like an NBA team that can compete this year. So that is important to bring up. So Utah would be my surprise team in the West. My surprise team in the East is Boston. Because I know a lot of teams are kind of throwing them in the garbage a little bit. I'm telling you right now, I would not be surprised if the Boston Celtics made it out of the East. I wouldn't. They are very well coached. I think Kemba Walker is a much better fit in that system than Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think they're going to play a lot freer now. This is a this is a good Boston Celtic team that didn't lose a lot of ground. I know a lot of people are throwing them in the trash, but do not be surprised if Boston represents the East. They're really good. They are really good, and not a lot of people are giving them a lot are giving any credit. All right. That's the news. Interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a Monday. Boy, oh boy. I am, like, losing my mind a little bit, I like think. I, like I said to you during the break, tea, it's a tea, chicken noodle soup, ginger ale, toast, je- uh, jelly. That's that kind of day. Water, it is a lot of water, it's that kind of day. I'm telling you. All right. Uh, we close out the show every Monday with bold prediction. Monday, I give you three bold predictions that were more than likely be wrong in the future. So, Evan, how am I doing so far this year? Where have I hit? Where have I missed? And what am I still waiting well, on? to recap. Ones you got wrong, Mitch Trubisky will throw 300 yards and three touchdowns against Washington on Monday Night Football. It came very close to that one. Uh, the Yankees will finish the season 5-0 and in their last five games. The Cowboys will put up 30 points on the Green Bay Packers. No home runs in the American League wildcard round. The Jets will get their first win after the Dolphins get theirs. Aaron Judge will not hit a home run until Game 3 of the ALCS. And others you got wrong. Dak Prescott's $33 million annually. Uh, he will get $33 million annually before Week 1. Zeke will sit his first two weeks of the season because Pollard is leading the league in rushing yards. Uh, Virginia versus Japan in the Little League World Series with the winner being Japan. Uh, the ones you got right. Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson leading the league in scrimmage yards of the first month. Uh, Antonio Brown will now finish the year with the New England Patriots. Uh, jo- um, oh, Daniel Jones will start by week 10. And uh, that's it. But the ones still in play, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys will choose to pick a quarterback and not play Dak Prescott. The Saints will win the NFC South. 
Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season. Kyle Allen will be will be the Panthers' starting quarterback. He will keep the starting quarterback gig. Georgia will not make the college football playoff. The Jets beat the Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football. Lamar Jackson will clinch his rushing attempts from last year. Jarvis Landry will be the Browns' leading leading receiver in catches. Leading receiver in catches, Jarvis Landry. And Lamar Jackson will finish as a top three MVP finalist. So, what do we got this Monday? Yeah, so I've gotten a lot wrong, and there's a lot still up in the air. So here we go. Bold prediction Monday. Here's number one. The Cowboys will win the next two games they play by double digits. And then lose to Detroit and New England the following two weeks. By double digits? No. Or just... (laughs) So they will beat the Giants and I believe the Vikings by double digits in the next two weeks. And then they'll lose to the Lions and lose to New England the following two weeks. Are they at Detroit that day? I think they're at Detroit. Yes. They are at Ford Field. And New England's in Dallas, right? Uh, yes, I believe. Not like it matters. They're going to lose to the Patriots, but... Um. All right, so number two, the Lakers will blow out the Clippers on opening night by at least 20. So after tomorrow night, we'll get an answer on this. I think the Lakers blow out the Clippers tomorrow. I do, because I think Paul George is out. I think the Clippers are missing a key piece. And I think the Lakers are going to try and get out of the gate rolling. I mean, it, it's in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. It's pretty much it. It's technically a home game for the Clippers, but there's going to be a lot of Laker fans there. LeBron, Anthony Davis, I know they don't have Kuzma, but they've got a lot more shooters. They move the ball well. I think the Lakers are going to blow out the Clippers tomorrow by 20. And number three, we move to baseball. George Springer will win World Series MVP. I think George Springer, he was a killer for the Yankees last series. He's going to hit a lot of big home runs in the leadoff spot. Wouldn't be surprised if he wins World Series MVP, George Springer. So, how do we feel? Probably, I'm actually probably more confident in this one than some of your others. I actually definitely think George Springer can definitely win World Series MVP. I definitely think... Um, the Cowboys losing to Detroit. That definitely screams a Cowboy loss. If they you beat the Eagles, you beat the Giants. Uh, next game is what the after after the Giants. The next game is. I think it's Minnesota. 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 Are they in Minnesota that day, or is it in Dallas? Uh, it is. I'll tell you in a second. It is in Dallas. And it's Sunday night football. Oh, the Cowboys will win that one. They'll win that one. I could see them losing to... I could see, I guess, an upset in Detroit. I I think I would still pick the Cowboys in that game when we get there. Yeah, New England's New England. But I I think I'll still pick the the Cowboys in there. But I can see see the Lions pulling it off. Lakers blowing at the Clippers. That's tomorrow. How, How much... All right, how much are we talking? Double digits... I said by 20. Oh, you said by 20. I said by 20. All right, let me just put that in there. But I don't mean, like, exactly 20. I mean by, like, at least 20. I'll buy 20 or more. Or at least least 20. There you go. You know, I look at that game and I think, 
I mean, the Clippers, yeah, like you said, there's, there's no Paul George. But there's a lot of high expectations for them. It would be a bad look to go opening day and lose right away to the Lakers in, in bad fashion. I mean, both these teams have a lot to prove. Lakers obviously get Anthony Davis. They're trying to make right. bounce back from the playoffs. Clippers now got Kawhi. They got Paul George. They want to make a run to the NBA Finals. That's going to make a better basketball game, right? I think that game's going to be for opening day. And I know there's no Paul George. I think that, I think that game could be really competitive. Both these teams have a lot to prove. Both these teams have a lot to show for them. George Perry be the Wilson's MVP. That's a great pick. Uh, that's a great pick. You can go I was talking about Altuve all day, and I actually yeah, picked I Springer. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, picked we, the guy who's, uh, let me see. So instead of taking the guy who's 5'6 that I've been globbing over all day, I took the guy who is 6'3", 215. <laughs> there you go. George Springer. People got to remember, George Springer is an incredible ball player. His imagine ball. how many imagine how many RBIs he would have every year if he didn't lead off every game. I mean the guy would drive in 140 runs every year. Yeah, what? Two big three-run homers in this series, one in game 2, one in game 4, I think. What was it? Game 4, I think game 4. That homer against Ottavino in game yeah. 2 was the killer right there. Game 2. Uh yeah, the big homer in game 2, big homer in game 4 which put the game away. Um, worked out that big walk with two outs in the God, bottom of the I, night to get all two at the plate. I can't stand George Springer, man. I can't. I mean, I really like him because I, I like him as a guy, and I think he's a great ball player, but I can't stand him because he always kills us. I hate it. Drives me bananas. All right. That's Bold Prediction Monday. That's every Monday. I give you three bold predictions that are more than likely going to be wrong in the future. I'm not in the business of being right. I'm in the business of telling you that I'm crazy and I'm telling you why. So I think that I'm nuts. And so far, it proves my bold predictions. I haven't gotten a lot of those right. Uh, there's a lot of those where, you know, I'm not doing very good in the stat column. I am not. But, hey, as a gambling man, I just want to remind you, I was 69% on the year to start. So I, don't, I haven't done the math yet. Uh, for what my updated predictions are, but we are I'm going to go over that tomorrow after the Jets-Patriots game tonight. So, Evan, uh, we've got Patriots and Jets tonight at MetLife. The Patriots are minus 10. Who do you like? Again, you like New England, don't you? Yeah, give me the Patriots tonight. I, I, you know, I know the Jets have momentum. They got Darnold back. The offensive line played well against Dallas. Uh, they're going to get C.J. Mosley back tonight, I think. Uh, Herndon, Herndon might be playing. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't I think, know. I, I don't know if Chris Herndon is playing or not. Uh, but so all the momentum for the Jets is is there. It's at home. This is a great chance for the Jets to not just win this game, but really an opportunity. It creates an opportunity for them to get back into the playoff race for the AFC Wild Card. Because if you win this game with two and four. Sure, that record's not pretty, but you got a favorable schedule coming up. Yeah, the Raiders have played miles better than I think many people thought, but the Raiders will still be coming from Oakland to the MetLife, so that should still give the Jets an advantage, and they play Washington, they play the Bengals, they play the Giants, they play Jacksonville, the, ske- the Dolphins twice, they still got to play the Dolphins twice. The schedule is there for the Jets to win this game and go on a run and really and make, maybe, and make a season out of this. Yeah. And there's no Josh Gordon tonight for the Patriots. There's no Rex Burkhead. They have trouble at the tight end position. That being said, Bill Belichick's had time. Belichick's seen Darnold uh, once last year. He's only seen him once. That is true. He's only seen him once. But it's the Patriots. It's Belichick. 
it's Brady, it's the Patriots, it's in MetLife. The Jets always play the Patriots tough in MetLife. I think it'll be close. 23-20 New England Patriots, they win tonight. I'm telling you, I think it's different this year, man. I think it is different this year. The Jets, I think, proved last week against Dallas that they can compete against good defenses with Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. I don't think they opened up the whole playbook. I think this is a different Jets team with a good defense. And a lot of this also has to do with, I'm not sure I have 100% faith in the Patriots' offense. Like, the, the Patriots' defense is fantastic, but their offense has struggled pretty much all year. And I just want to say, like, before the season began, I had this game for the Jets as a win. When this, when this, when this game was announced and it was at home, I felt, okay, this, they could win this yeah, game. I think I picked the Jets to win this game at the beginning of the year, too. So, I, 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 I changing this now, I'm feeling, but I still, I'm changing this now because... Because, again, I still think the Patriots have shown they're still dominant. And the Jets, I still think they can be better as the season goes along, but they, yeah. still, got, they still got problems with pass rush, offensive line. I they think Belichick Belich- is going to key on Le'Veon Bell. I, 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 I had the Jets as a win before the season began, but I think I, now six weeks later, a month into the season, two months into the season, yeah. I'm going with the Patriots here. But I think this game will be close. It's going to be close. Like I said, like they always I like, are. I like the Jets. I think the Jets are in a good position to win this uh, to win this football game. And they are. We're going to be we're really going to be talking about them quite a bit. I think if they win if they win tonight, tomorrow is going to be a hell of a story. And tomorrow is going to be a hell of a story with the Jets. Okay, so that does it for us. That's Evan Mazza. I'm Mike Guido. Uh, this is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Actually, before we go, I do kind of want to say this before we do anything. So, th- when the Yankees lost, mm-hmm. all I heard was Met fans. Right? Oh, all, yeah? I heard, all I heard was Met fans just like, <laughs> oh, the Yankees are terrible. <laughs> We're going to be better than you next year. <laughs> all of that stuff. Oh, garbage. You know, Yankee fans are the worst. You guys are stupid. Well, Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Do we realize that the Mets-Yankees rivalry is not a real rivalry? It is not. It's, it's not. Hey, it's, like, it's like Kobe and LeBron. Okay, Kobe and LeBron is not a, is not a rivalry. It's a made-up thing. I mean, hey, these, both these fan bases, the Met, when the Mets made the playoffs in 15-16, all you heard from Yankee They're fans in, was, oh, I can't, can't the stand only, you guys talking about the Mets. And then the, you know, the Yankees get to the ALCS and playoffs. And, oh, it's the like, Mets celebrate. But, like, it's the same Mets thing. Mets celebrate it every time the Yankees lose. It's know. like the same thing. Say, like, real rivalries are like, okay, yeah, Yankees-Red Sox is a rivalry. Okay, Cardinals-Cubs is a rivalry. Mets-Phillies is a rivalry. Mets-Phillies is a rivalry. But, like, you think about, like, these made-up ones. Yankees-Mets is a made-up rivalry. Dodgers Angels is a made up rivalry. It is. It's only because the, those two are in Los Angeles. These two are two are in New York. Met fans, I think, are the worst fans in baseball, and I hate them. I, I don't. I, I actually, I shouldn't say that. That was my emotion coming out. <laughs> but let's say it's a lot of emotion. Through. No, the Mets. The Mets have really devoted, incredible fans. But uh, but <laughs> the way that they tr- the way they treat this rivalry is so petty. It really is. Do they realize that the Mets Yankee rivalry? is completely rooted in jealousy and nothing else. Listen, 
Don't blame, don't blame, don't blame anyone else. Blame Major League Baseball. They put in early, they put in early play in '97, but like, whatever it was. Mets fans are saying, "Oh, at least we've been to a World Series this decade." Well, that is true. I'm like, <laughs> I understand that, but when was the last time you well, won a true. World Series? Well, that's true. The last time you last won a World team. Series was team. 10 years before I was born. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You can't, look, you cannot tell me when was the last time you made it to a World Series. What? Okay, when you made it to the World Series, the Royals mopped the floor with you. I don't want to hear it. It's not like you won. Give me a break. Like, it's all that, it, that it is entirely rooted in jealousy. I, listen, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. But I don't hate the Mets. I've told you this before. I actually, I actually like it when the Mets do well. I root for the Mets. I like the Mets. But I, I, I am a Yankee fan. I, but I, look, I never wish for the Mets to do poorly. I'm never, like, I wish for the Red Sox to do poorly. And I, that's, hope they, and that's I, hope, I hope the Red Sox lose every game. But I want the Mets <laughs> as to a win. Man, as a general lawsuit like with a gentleman with a big Yankee jacket. <laughs> I do. I do. I, look, I never root for them to lose. I never do. I actually hope they have success. But I'm surprised. You never, you, when was the last time you heard a Met fan say that? Met fans, are, Met fans treat the Yankees like the Yankees treat the Red Sox. I hope the Yankees lose every game. I hate the Yankees. Why? What have we ever done to you? I will say this, though. You're right. But it's also the same. I goes know for, I'm right. But the same goes. Well, that's your ego talking. Now I'm kidding. But the same goes for Yankee fans too. Because I've seen. Listen, now I'm coming from the Met fan perspective, and I don't hate the Mets either. I I, mean, I don't hate the Yankees either. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I agree. It's not a rivalry. You're impartial with the Yankees. I, I'm not impartial. I don't hate them at all. I've, I I don't. I don't hate them. I don't. You know, have any like. You know, oh, I really hate they lose. You know, I don't really care if the Yankees win, they win. I've I, in my lifetime, I've seen five Yankee World Championships. If, if they won another one, it wouldn't. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, darn the Yankees. No, I don't. I don't hate the Yankees at all. I, I, you know, if they win a World Series, great. I don't care. I, but I saw a lot of Yankee fans when the Mets had success say like, oh, I hate this. Why, darn the Mets. Oh, haha, you lost. You know, I can't stand the talking about the Mets. Why are you talking about the Mets? It's the same for it's. I agree that of course the Mets have Mets fans have that Mets fans have that. Oh, you know that. that, I feel like it's much. I hate that. You know, I want much more on the National League side. It's very political. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. See, I'm surprised you pointed at the Mets fan perspective and not the Red Sox fan perspective, who have won four World Championships in the last 15 years. And look at the Yankees losing. Oh, well, did you see the video of Jared Carabas? Like, is that the? Oh, he's the barstool. Barstool guy. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him, yeah. The diehard Red Sox fan. I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, the guy. <laughs> just nonstop clapping in the video in a room full of Yankee fans. That's just arrogant. That's awful. We're going to get him on the air one day and rip him one. All right, uh, uh, that does it for us. Worldwide Sports Radio Network, it's the Haystack. We'll see you tomorrow. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.